Welcome to 49. My name is Judd Devermont. I'm the director of the Africa program at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. I was the National Intelligence Officer for Africa and worked at the National Security Council. And I'm Nicole Willett. I'm Chief of Staff at the Open Society Foundation and, like Judd, have served at the National Security Council as well as the U.S. State Department and Senate Foreign Relations. This podcast has everything you need to know about U.S. policy towards Sub-Saharan Africa. What happened in the past? What should the Biden administration do? Plus, we promise to deliver the goods in 15 minutes or less, one country at a time. This episode is about Lesotho, and we're pleased to be joined by Silence Churumbira, who is the deputy editor of the Lesotho Times and the Sunday Express. So Judd, can you give us a short history of U.S. policy towards Lesotho? The United States appointed its first consul to the capital of Lesotho in 1966. The United States supported Lesotho's independence, regarded it, as well as Botswana and Swaziland, as a potential model of an African-run government in contrast to the white-dominated regimes in the rest of Southern Africa. This became a hard sell after the Prime Minister, Chief Jonathan, lost his election in 1970. Rather than hand over power, he declared a state of emergency and dissolved the parliament. The United States drew down its Peace Corps presence in response. Despite concerns about Jonathan's authoritarian tendencies, relations ticked along, as one diplomat recalled. After the Soweto uprising in South Africa in 1976, there were concerns about Lesotho's stability. South Africa had been conducting occasional raids in pursuit of ANC members. The United States ramped up its development programming and finally appointed an ambassador in 1979. While the status of South Africa was a major driver of U.S. relations with Lesotho, there were also concerns about U.S. adversaries. In 1983, the Prime Minister invited the Soviet Union, China, and North Korea to open embassies. Since the 1990s, the United States has played a role in Lesotho's response to the HIV-AIDS crisis and other public health issues, as well as trade and investment opportunities in the textile industry. U.S. diplomats also engaged with the military and politicians to ensure a transition back to democracy in 1993 and has subsequently worked with partners to respond to several incidences of political upheaval in the country's political scene. So, Nicole, do you want to talk about a major policy success or failure? Sure. So I'm sad and frustrated the number of times I I fear that I have to say this on this podcast, but in this case, this is a policy failure mostly of not having one, not focusing enough. And that's from the Washington side. I should caveat this by saying I think we have a lot of really talented foreign service officers in Masweru and other places who are deeply focused on this work. Um, and are engaging. But when you think about sort of big United States foreign policy driven from Washington, I worry that we've not had enough attention paid. Um, And sort of as you say, this is a country with consistent instability, factionalized politics, a small economy. Um, But it's also a country that's fascinating. There's sort of murder, mayhem, intrigue. And, you know, it happens to also be absolutely gorgeous. So I can't recommend enough that, that despite all of that, that folks visit. I will say, you know, when we think about the Southern African Development Community, the regional body that is focused on Southern Africa within the African Union, I think we also haven't had enough real conversations there to get Sadik to move on supporting Lesotho. And that is frankly often the case. But 
on this particular issue, we do have engagement from South Africa and Angola who get involved typically when there is a chance of regional spillover. But those efforts haven't led to much stability, though silence certainly can correct me as we go forward. You know, interestingly, South Africa gets its provincial water in Hauteng, so, you know, covering uh, Pretoria, the capital, at one of the capitals, and Johannesburg from Lesotho. And, you know, no one wants too much drama on their border. So, because Ramaphosa uh, leads a national dialogue effort, uh, he hasn't had a lot of traction. And I think there's places where we've missed the boat on engaging with South Africa about things that South Africa prioritizes, not just what we prioritize in the United States. And I think this is this is one of them. And I also believe that's true on Angola, where we have talked a little bit about the importance of finding new ways to engage now that we have a new administration. And again, I think this is an issue where we might be able to get some traction. So plenty more to say about this. You know, we have significant development assistance and there's a lot of room to think about how we turn what has been a non-policy into one that matters, particularly matters to some of our most important strategic partners in the region. Silence, I guess we'd love to hear your thoughts on how does President Biden develop and implement a strategy towards Lesotho. As Nicole said, this isn't often a country that gets a lot of attention in Washington, D.C. That should be corrected. But if you were meeting with the president and his senior advisors, what would you tell them should be the focus uh, towards Lesotho? Thanks, Judd. My thinking is uh, that the Biden administration must focus on capacitating Basutu in different sectors so that they can stand on their own. Then all that adage goes, uh, give a man a fish and you feed him for one day. Teach him how to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. What am I saying? Lesotho is a beneficiary of um, the African Growth and Opportunity Act, but out of a possible 1,800 product lines, Lesotho only takes advantage of one textile. It will therefore be prudent for the Biden administration to seize the moment and help Lesotho to broaden its product base. The U.S. government has done remarkable work in Lesotho in terms of the HIV AIDS pandemic. However, the COVID-19 pandemic has shown that there is need for self-reliance focused training in the health sector for it to stand on its own in times of crisis. It took the Minister of Health well over two months to administer just 36,000 doses of AstraZeneca vaccine. And so many things are being done wrong just because of lack of capacity. So my take is that the Biden administration has a unique opportunity here to foster positive change through capacity building. Judd, how do we make that happen? What's the best way to move the interagency on this? You know, I read that Lesotho is the first African country to win permission to legally export medicinal cannabis to the EU. I don't think that's the one that's going to resonate the most in Washington, but curious what you think we can do. Yeah, maybe not that particular export, but, you know, I think we got to get back to to the basics here, which given uh, how infrequently people talk about Lesotho in Washington, this is a time to ask for an assessment both of the political stability in the country and the Prime Minister Majoro is having a challenge to keep uh, his hold on power, but also around these issues that Silence mentioned about, are they uh, leveraging AGOA successfully? What are the things that the U.S. administration can do through COVAX 
or in conjunction with the AU to deliver COVID-19 vaccines. Uh, I think there's a number of things that we could be doing here, but until we get a, a first an assessment of where uh, Lesotho is going, I don't think you're going to be able to build policy without that. So that would be my first stop. And then after that, you know, this is a place, as you mentioned, uh, Nicole, where South Africa is engaged. It does have a strong connection to this country because it's in the middle of South Africa, because Lesotho uh, is a huge exporter of labor to South Africa. So this is an opportunity for us to work with South Africa specifically, but also SADC to get at these issues. And I'll just reprise something I said for uh, another episode is this is a small country where we can do some experimentation. It's interesting looking at the past on how active our ambassadors were to really move the needle on democratization. But maybe that was very pedestrian. So silence, give us something really big to do. Shake it up. What, what, what's a crazy idea that you could put on the table? Jad, we, I just spoke about um, Agoa, which is the lifeblood uh, into Lesotho's uh, flagship textile industry, uh, which employs uh, plus or minus 50,000 people. This is a sector that is sadly controlled by Asian players. The bulk of the manufacturers or the factory owners in that sector are Asian. So, while these are welcome investments, how much more growth would Lesotho achieve if local players were to enter the same space? Real growth and tangible rewards can only be achieved if uh, the indigenous business owner is allowed to contribute towards their country's economic growth. So my take is the best way of leveraging Agoa is to ensure that we have local players playing a dominant role in that sector. All right, Science, I have one question for you, one last question, which is about poetry in, in Lesotho. And the Basotho are known for their oration and poetry. I, I just would like you to maybe help us understand this art form, why it's so vibrant in Lesotho and where do we find the best performances? Indeed, Basutu are big on self-expression. Um, this explains why uh, poetry is also a big part of one of the indigenous musical genres called FAMO. Sadly, however, there is so little that is happening in the art space to showcase poetry. The situation is even worse now because of uh, COVID-19-induced uh, restrictions. Also, Another sad part is uh, leaders in this uh, on this part of the world still view the arts as pastime instead of in an industry that has the potential to create jobs and feed families. This means art spaces are generally closed and uh, are not getting adequate support, if any. So, however, there is a small movement called Peswamajweng Arts and Entertainment which is based in Kubetswana in Maseru. But they haven't been too vibrant lately of, uh, because of uh, COVID. Well, that's the show. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and check out our analysis at csis.org backslash Africa. Thanks.